Welcome to the Make Disciples Podcast, a short weekly podcast where we will share topics, ideas, and resources useful to you in your effort to follow Jesus as a disciple. Welcome back to this episode of the Make Disciples Podcast. I am overjoyed to be joined in our podcast studio today with Mike Shockey. Mike, thanks for being here. Overjoyed. Overjoyed. Thrilled. Dude, I knew you loved me, but happy to have you here with us. I'm overjoyed, my man. We had a great time in our last season, so it's great to have you back here with us. And we got some more big topics to talk about today, just like we did last season. So we're in the middle of a series talking about theology, the importance of good theology and why that matters in the life of a Christian as we develop our lives as followers of Jesus. So, Mike, today our focus is going to be on theological method. Simply put, we're talking about developing our theology, saying how do you move on in your understanding? Now, theological method sounds like a big topic, right? I mean, big words that, you know, really, you know, intelligent people spend time talking about. But I tried to hit the crickets button. Oh, on I turned them here. down for you, apparently. And, they just uh, yeah, because as soon as you say a theology or a theological method, I just think everybody hears crickets. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. People just turn it out. Usually, yeah, apparently that's, that's right. the work. Sorry that's about right. that. So I. Uh, what we want to do is demystify this whole idea. When we talk about uh, theological method, what, what do a lot of people do in terms of developing their understanding of who God is? And in contrast, what is a good way to develop your theology? So let's start with this. How typically do you see people developing their theology, their understanding of who God is? Let me ask a quick question. I am wondering, is this uh, episode going to be preceded by something that tells us why we would develop our theology? And is that an important question to answer here? That's a here? great question because we actually talked about that in a previous episode. We talked Very about good. the goal of theology. Why does it matter to There you go. So, okay. And I just asked for qualification purposes. Yeah. So, okay. Well, yeah, as far as how one does that now in an ordinary setting, not to be overly comical about the thing, but as an example, if you spend any time on Facebook or Instagram or any of that, sometimes you'll see some very good things. But since social media is so popular, we see people unwittingly, that is, they, they don't realize they're doing it. They're adopting certain theologies, and that's developing in their own minds by way of social media often, not always. Um, but since that's the easiest medium, it seems, um, and the most common visited, my aunt, as an example, recently posted something that was both cute and truthful, and at the same time, it was indicative of the depth of the theology that we get into. And it simply said, why would I be afraid of Delta when I have Alpha and Omega, hmm. right? And so I think anybody that has, you know, half a mind to, you know, biblical things understands what that means. And you know, and then we see the little symbols of fire next to it, like, hey, man, ooh, that's, you know, that kind of sizzles, you know, in a theological or in a spiritual way. But if you really want to get down to the, to how people kind of cultivate and develop their theology, I think most people would say, A, they're not overly concerned about it, for one, and B, what concern they do have is, again, just what light and airy, as it were, kind of, you know, little hyperbole comes their way. And, and you know, it's very quick. It, it's anecdotal sometimes, you know, this is what happened to me kind of thing. 
And if we're asking the next question, and I know you'll set us up for that, I think that gets into, okay, does that need to be remedied, right? Does that approach need to be remedied? Um, Is that the only approach we should take? Does that approach need to be abandoned altogether? And I think the quick answer there is it does need to be remedied. That's not the only approach we need to take. And no, it does not need to be abandoned completely. But when you read things like that and you adopt your theological uh, premise from, you know, social media, for instance, or from the news or from what Dolly Parton says or, you know, whatever the case may be, I think you just need to have a way to be able to filter that. And then we move into how does one, you know, develop their theology correctly or well, yeah. right? Because you need to know how to take those things when you see them. Do I take that with a grain of salt? Is that truthful? Can I rely on that, God? Is that a good thing for me to know and to store and, you know, speak out? Or is that something that I need to ignore or refine or what have you? Yeah. So I think what I'm hearing from you is that we are constantly thinking about our theology, even when we aren't thinking about our theology. Social media does that. I mean, you mentioned Facebook, for example, and you can look at Twitter or Instagram or the kids are using TikTok these days. And there's actual accounts that are specifically explicitly designed to get into some of these kind of things for good and for ill. But you can also talk about things like what you hear in the news or even television shows you watch. I mean, a pet peeve of mine is when you hear this uh, show where someone does something that they know to be wrong and they say, well, I'm going to hell for this. It's almost tossed out as if it's normal and accepted or that kind of stuff. And they're essentially trying to say it's wrong. But when it comes to a theological understanding of hell, we would say that's wrong. That's missing something because we aren't sent to hell based on individual things we do like that. And so we need to clarify those kind of things and be able to understand where to get good information from. So let's move to this second question. How does one develop their theology well? If you have all of these sources out there, how can we understand God better? So I sit with a, an English uh, gentleman, a friend of mine, who was trained and discipled as a young man under D. Martin Lloyd-Jones in England. And he just has this amazing fresh sense of good theology. But for him, he has taken all of the years of learning from books and commentaries and different things, which is an excellent way to develop your theology. And we'll get into that in just a second. But he has taken that and has gone back to scripture and said, okay, so by what I read in scripture, if I read Genesis to Revelation, do I see those things being true? Do I see those theologies that I've been learning that so-and-so has quoted from a Reformed perspective or that so-and-so has quoted from a charismatic or a non-Reformed or Arminian perspective or whatever? Do I see those things as being true? And he has developed a theology that, um, that I don't take very much exception with personally as a Reformed guy, you know, myself. And if nothing else, I think what he has done is he's been able to say, well, what I'm speaking out in terms of my own personal theology, um, I'm getting from what I see in Scripture. And so I think that's an important place to either begin or to get back to and always use Scripture as the anchor for your theology. And you said it a moment ago, you may not be entering into Scripture reading, you know, some story in Exodus or some story in Judges or, you know, John or, you know, whatever. You may not be entering thinking, hey, you know, I'm doing this for a theological approach or I'm trying to develop my theology. You don't have to say those words in order to develop your theology. Believe it or not, 
when you read a story in 1 Kings 22, uh, for example, about how God brings Ahab, the king, to destruction, and the scene that we see in heaven, for instance, which is one uh, angelic figure coming before and another coming before and another coming before God, and they're all surrounding this question of, that God has asked, saying, how will we see Abraham come to his end, right? How will we see him fall? And all these suggestions are made, and finally God says, you know what? I like that suggestion. I like the suggestion that we're going to put a lying spirit into the mouth of his prophets, and he's going to believe them, and as a result, he's going to come to his final demise. And you read that, and, and even to speak that story out right here, people are like, wait a minute. You mean that's really what happened? That's what the Scripture tells us happened. How would you develop your theology around something like that when perhaps all the while what you've been taught is, is that God is a grandfather figure who is just cuddly and loving and caring? Well, he hmm. is loving and caring, but it's not exactly always in the ways that we ourselves, you know, love and care, right? There is another story at play in there. And so you're developing a theology, for instance, in this case, that says, just by reading Scripture, you didn't go to any commentaries for this. You should be able to conclude from that, if you know other pieces of Scripture where he is for his people, Israel in this case, or in modern times, post-Jesus, the church, right, the new Israel, he is for his people and not against them, and he is so for his people that he will destroy those people who are against his people. Mm. Now, that's, that's a harsh thing to say, and I, I know we wanted to keep this as light as possible. There's light and airy for you. <laughs> but the point being, you should be able to develop right there a theology that at least says, as an example, wow, there's development of theology, because before I read that passage in 1 Kings 22, I just had this picture of God as this, you know, cuddly figure over here who kind of winks at my sin. And now I'm seeing that when he put Jesus to death on the cross, when he says in Romans 8 that he is for us and not against us and that nothing can nothing can separate us from his love in Christ Jesus, we see the lengths to which he will go in order to procure that promise. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that's a strong development of theology, development being that we did not know over here, and now we know something bigger over here. Does it make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. it brings to mind uh, the Bible studies that we do here. We are working through uh, the books of First and Second Samuel this year in our Bible studies, and at the end of each session, we're asking ourselves a question, what does this teach us about God? Mm. What characteristics of God do we see here? And so we're constantly going to the Bible. So there's a lot of other places that we can look. And if you're wanting to go deep into systematic theologies or all sorts of other stuff, there's great things to do with that. But primarily and fundamentally, we're looking towards Scripture and we're saying, what does God's revelation of Himself to mankind tell us about God? Because fundamentally, the Bible is about God. And so we want to understand that. Well, and Dan, when we talk about that, I think the way that I just described what I did was, yes, first of all, to go to a commentary uh, on Scripture, uh, to go to a help book, you know, where it's a devotional kind of thing, any of those things are extremely helpful to develop theology, yes. But what I've done is I've said, in order to understand 
and come to any good, solid, Christ-centered, biblically-centered conclusion about something like 1 Kings 22 or the 1 Samuel passage where, you know, some pretty heinous stuff is going on where God is telling Saul to go out and wipe out an entire people, for instance. You need to, I go to Romans 8 and I say, well, what does Romans 8 tell us, right, about who God is? And then we can know that that same God in the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And if you know that that's the same God at work, if you know that Jesus Christ displayed in the Gospels is God himself, as it were, right? And that if you have a different idea of who God is and how he operates, that goes outside of the boundaries of the way we see him portrayed in the Gospels in Jesus Christ, you have a wrong idea of God. And therefore, knowing all those things together, you take and you put Scripture against Scripture against Scripture against Scripture. You see that it's consistent and not contradictory, as so many would claim. And then you can begin to make and draw those conclusions and be able to say, wow, that looked harsh what he did there. But I see that what he's doing, when those things seem so harsh to our sensibilities in a Western culture, I see that what he's doing is actually protecting and securing and procuring those people whom he loves. And guess what? That's me, because my faith is in Jesus Christ, right? If that makes any sense. I hope I've put that together reasonably well. I think that's great. Unfortunately, we're at the end of our time here. Oh, no. It's a shame we just get done so fast here. And there's obviously a lot more that we could talk about with this, but I just want to give one suggested source if people want to dive more deeply into this whole concept. Uh, An introduction to theological method. It's called a practical primer on theological method, table manners for discussing God, his Mm. works, and his ways. It's written by two professors of mine, Glenn Kreider and Michael Spiegel. And they have a quote in it that I want to conclude our time together with. It says, the first challenge is simply to decide to accept the invitation to the table, to engage in a humble discussion concerning God's revelation. It's a high and holy calling to give your time and energy to the task of theology. It's always good to get into a discussion of theology. It helps us understand who God is. And when we understand who God is, we understand who we are and why we're here. So thanks so much for being with us, Mike. Happy to have you here with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Make Disciples podcast. We would love it if you would subscribe, leave a review, and spread the word. This podcast can be found in Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. My thanks to Catherine Eckhart, the producer of this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Wildwood Church in Tallahassee, Florida.